Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a Sky Plus, and I love film. As Dr. Zeus once said, be awesome, be a book nut. All films are good, but I do prefer books, I do, I do. Right, I mean, I like both actually, but we all have a favourite, I suppose, and this is a film podcast, so a bit inappropriate of you there, Dr. Zeus. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, January Jones, Catherine Ryan and even Ed Shamble. But this week I am back with part two of Nish Kumar and Brett Goldstein do their films of the year and decade mashup sort of mix up, mashup, prop up, massive, exim, massive, extra combo, extravaganza, spectacular. The next live show will be at Birmingham Podfest on the 29th of March and my guest will be the hilarious, the brilliant, the wonderful comic actor and writer Sarah Kendall. Get your tickets fast. They'll be on a website somewhere, probably for Birmingham Podfest. I haven't looked it up myself, but you've all got Google. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions for most of the episodes. You get recommendations, guest list tickets, some videos, all sorts of stuff. And you also get a secret. I tell all the guests to share a secret they never told anyone with the Patreons. And this week, I believe there's an absolute cracker. Also this week, I've included the Patreon section in the main section because sometimes I feel generous and it might inspire you to join the Patreons. Join us. Also, I will probably be putting up more than my top 10 of the year on the Patreon section in the sections. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what I mean. People got Google. So last week, Nish and I tried to get through the agenda and we failed by talking too much about poo and shit. So here is part two and we pick up exactly where we left off where Mr. Brett Goldstein was about to say what the greatest film of 2019 was. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 86 of Films to be Buried with. I feel like I sort of understand my parents a bit better after having seen The Farewell. 
I think this is a similar thing that you said about Roma. About Roma, yeah. yeah about it, uh, but I do think I understand my parents' motivations a bit better. And it was only because of that conversation I had with my mum. Because I'd watched The Farewell completely mm. through the prism of empathising with Aquafina's character. Yeah. And then I realised that there was a whole other different movie happening. And my parents didn't empathise with her. And they were watching the film from the perspective from of her parents. And they had a completely different viewing experience watching it. And I, it made me understand more why they've made some of the decisions that they've made. It's so interesting. But I, I mean, it's maybe because it's it's because he says the West is selfish. Yeah. Your, your, your desire for truth that you call truth and it's important to be truthful is selfish. Yeah. Because it lets you off the emotional hook. You then don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Fascinating. It's, yeah, it was a, it's a really extraordinary thing. Wow, this shit went deep. <laughs> uh, what is... Oh, I haven't answered the greatest film, though. It was just the other night. And i tell you what, and I say this because greatest film, I don't say favourite film. Yeah. It's for Summer. For Summer. Okay. Which you have not seen. Yeah. So, and I, and I speaking of Western selfishness, <laughs> I haven't. I truly have not watched this movie. Because you don't want it. Because I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm worried about the impact it'll have on me. And that is legit. And I have been putting it... <laughs> that, that, it's like the most selfish thing. I don't want yeah. to watch this movie about refugees because I worry it might upset me too much. <laughs> yeah. And I have put it off all year. Yeah. I've had it on DVD, put it off all year. It's the b- biggest... We're the biggest fucking pieces of shit know, in the world. Winning all these, <laughs> keeps winning these awards. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it's good, but... But what I will say is I finally... Like, I was like, fucking hell, I'm going to have to watch this, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think and, uh, the fact that I haven't watched Sabbath is the clearest illustration of my bewildering privilege. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm going to have to fucking watch it then. And I like locked all the door. Come on there, let's get through it. And um, so for those of you who don't know, it's a documentary film in set in Aleppo uh, made by a woman for her daughter, Sama, in which she asked the question very early on. She says, we're making this film for you. I want you to understand why we stayed here with you and I wonder if you'll forgive us and if you'll understand our decisions because they are living in a place that is being bombed relentlessly and her and her husband, he's a doctor and they've sort of set up a makeshift hospital and they are just patching people up all day and it's possibly the hardest watch I've ever sat through in terms of, I'll be straight with you, Two minutes in, you see dead children. Oh. I'd say two minutes into the film, you're looking at images of dead people, dead children, dead babies, blood. Like it is hard. What? I, at two minutes in, I thought, I don't think I can. I don't think I can watch this. Yeah, yeah. But within all of this, a as a piece of sort of storytelling and filmmaking, it's kind of incredible. It's also weirdly one of the most romantic films right. ever. Because the story of of the filmmaker and her husband and what they're doing together and this kind of, I mean, they're full on kind of saints, kind of heroes who have stayed in this place where they should have left because it's being bombed to shit. But they know no one else cares. So they're there to help people. And within all of that, they get married and they get married in a little room above the hospital. Wow. And... And it's so beautiful, their little wedding, and they love each other, and and they're so beautiful together. And it's real, all of this is real, and within this madness and this bombing, there's this wedding, and 
And there's also the thing that I've always said about fucking art and why I don't like the film Snowtown is th- there's jokes in it. Yeah. People make jokes and there's humour and there's love and and there's this baby and and there's also a sense of, I think it really, you really get why they stay. They stay for years in this yeah. nightmare because a part of it is, I th- I am and and she and and there's a question she says she ki- she's like part of why I think I'm here is I I I need to record this because no one's listening and and here we are and all jokes aside you haven't seen it because you don't want yeah, to I, I took a year to see it because I didn't want to yeah. and here is this woman saying please look yeah, yeah. you need to see this and um and that's why I'm there I'm staying so you will fucking see this Jesus and but but there's something about their relationship and this group of friends and there's there's so much light genuine light in yeah. this absolute hell i mean it's something it's wow. fucking something and you know and it's an hour and 40 you can't argue with that <laughs> and i also like i really love the idea that you could add to all the kind of extravagant phrases that... on the poster you just put it's fucking something and Hour and four. Hour and four. I mean, if I said it's three hours, <laughs> no one's sitting for that. But you go, an hour and four. It's, it's, it's incredible. In terms of what can we do, I don't know. Like, yeah, as in, yeah. I, I did watch it from the point of view of, like, I, I feel kind of, I don't know what, what, I don't, I don't know what we yeah, can, yeah. that's the part I don't like, is that watching it is sort of like, yes, it's good that I've watched this now, yeah. but I don't fully understand yeah, what yeah. I can do. Like, what, what happens next? Yeah, because you want you think yes, it's important. We stand up for stuff. But I'm, I I don't yeah. really get what what to do. So there's that, which I guess is bad. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of in terms of regardless of the politics and the the horrifying truth, a life lived with love and heroism. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You should see it, but I yeah, totally yeah. get it if you never see it. I gotta, I gotta watch it. <laughs> totally get it if you never see it. I won't blame you. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's an amazing film. It's a yeah, good yeah. story, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, amazing. That is for Samer. Highly recommended. Don't ever watch it. <laughs> uh, worst film of the year. It gives me no pleasure to say this, Brett. No, no pleasure whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The second Lego Movie. Wow, I didn't see it. I love the first My Lego third Movie. Gap. Second Gap. Yeah. I thought I love the first Lego movie. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to see the second Lego movie. Tiffany Haddish is in it, who is obviously amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, the core cast are back as well from the first movie. It just um, it just didn't really go... Like, so the first movie, if you haven't seen it, has this kind of great concept behind it where it's like it's set in a Lego world, but it's actually the... Um, it's a way of manifesting the tension between a father and son... And the second movie, it just shows, it's just repeating the same formula. And mm. it was sort of, it just was quite boring and ponderous in ways that the first movie was not at all. Shame. Yeah, it's a real shame. I, I was sat there halfway through just thinking, have I, like, have I misjudged it? <laughs> <laughs> was the first movie terrible? Oh, no. Then I went back and watched the first movie and went, no, that's absolutely incredible. No. That's, a, that's a perfect movie. I'm, I don't say this with any pleasure whatsoever, yeah. but that was the second Lego movie I did not enjoy. What was yours? Well, on the plus side, I struggled with this because yeah. I think I've mostly seen good films. Yeah. I ha- definitely haven't seen one where I was like, I fucking hated that. Yeah. So when I say this is the worst, this is me really reaching for it. Yeah. But I'd say my least favourite yeah. was Glass. 
Oh, and... so now I didn't see that. No, I M Night's for me, I'm angling. I am pro yeah. and when he's good, he's good. And Unbreakable is probably my favourite of his. Yeah, so I'd say I so, yeah. Was excited about this sequel. Yeah. I thought Split was good. I thought this is gonna be great. It's shit. <laughs> But it's also strange, like it feels weirdly like unwritten, like there's a very, from a sort of writing point of view, I didn't understand, there's this setup of, he's going to blow up the city. Yeah, right. We never get to the city. Right. This bomb never happens, so that's fine, except it's sort of, we're heading towards this thing that, that we're not actually heading towards. Yeah, right. I didn't, I don't think I understood it, it's the <laughs> truth, because, this is a big spoiler, Bruce Willis gets killed in it but by a puddle I didn't really what? understand it he's sort of talked into you're not a superhero and he gets drowned in a puddle what and then I did it. I don't think I understand I it. didn't watch it because I really there's like, a fight I'm... in a car park like it never really leaves this car park in this this room yeah right so you thought it was going to be this big film not I don't I like a contained thing yeah yeah but about an hour and a half I was like oh we're not going anywhere are we? <laughs> and then he drowns in a puddle I didn't understand it <laughs> I'm, I'm now really brilliant glad, and I didn't I'm really it. glad I didn't see it because I haven't seen Split but I really liked Unbreakable so yeah. I thought well I'll see Glass and then I thought if I've missed out the middle chunk yeah and there's lots of like to. Glass doing clever shit but it's never remotely <gasps> the explained kids. how he they used it. to call me Mr Glass yeah it's I didn't know. that's my impression of Samuel L Jackson at the end of Unbreakable which James Acaster has repeatedly described as truly appalling <laughs> it's really it's very I don't, it's not even the right words the kids <laughs> Uh, uh, let's not call it worst film let's call it film I least understood <laughs> this year. Uh, funniest film of the year oh Booksmart Longshot oh, oh I love Booksmart though fucking hell that's close I Longshot was uh, a, another one of my pleasant surprises mm. of the year loved it did you really you really loved it yeah I thought it was a proper good romantic comedy original loved it I thought I really and I did love Booksmart very hard I, I was I didn't see Longshot when it came out of the cinema. I saw it on Netflix. Uh, and I thought it pulled off the really amazing trick. Because Seth Rogen in that movie is basically playing me. A sort of angry, yes. bearded leftist. He is! <laughs> he is! He's, and so the, for me to watch a movie where Charlize Theron plausibly falls in love with me, yeah. you've got a lot of convincing to do. It's a long shot. <laughs> it's a real, it's a really long shot. I think if it had been two other actors, it wouldn't have worked. I think those two yeah. had su- it's such a specific chemistry. You really loved it? I really loved it. And yeah, I think I really, for I really all of that, it, yeah. it, it is the long shot. Yeah. It's a long shot that you'll buy a romantic comedy with these two. It's a long shot you'll buy all of it. And it works. Yeah. And it's quite sweet and sexy. And, and I like the kind of subversive ending where he's, yeah, yeah. he's the first lady. And it's quite funny. June Dye and Raphael. She's another person who just is just a funny person who yeah. crops up in those smaller parts in films and sitcoms and always is really great. She's her sort of stern-faced aide oh, um, throughout the movie. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, I really... I, I Yeah, I really enjoyed... I really enjoyed Longshot. Yeah. Booksmart, I just thought, yeah, was, from minute one, hilarious. And yeah. great chemistry between the two leads. Yeah. Really, really consistently funny. Lovely background supporting characters. I love the sort of the drama club surrounding mm. them and I thought yeah I thought it was really funny it is one of my later answers mm. maybe that's why I held it off I thought yeah I, I loved Booksmart uh, 
Welcome to the Patreons. Hello, Patreons. What's your secret for the Patreons? I farted twice in this recording, and yeah, it's not been picked up. Really? Yeah, it's a great job. I've <laughs> snuck them out. During me Patreon. talking about Sabbath. <laughs> not for Sabbath. <laughs> I, I kept it respectful, Brett. Um, well done. <laughs> I wonder if the mic's picked it up. <laughs> right in at home, if you heard this farted <laughs> twice in this. Uh, what is your line of the year? So my line of the year is is actually a uh, it's actually a piece of dialogue. It's probably it's two lines. They can have it. It's in the Irishman. Yes. Um, which and yeah, which we haven't talked about, which mm. I'm happy to talk about now. Okay. But it's the scene towards the end of the film, or almost right at the very end of the film, yeah. when Robert De Niro is being interviewed by two policemen, and ah, yes. one of the policemen says is asking him about the death of Jimmy Hoffa. He says, you're going to have to ask my lawyer. The policeman says, your lawyer is dead. He says, who did it? (laughs) And there's this pause where the two cops look at each other and one of them goes, cancer. (laughs) And there's a bit later on in that scene where one of the guys goes, who are you protecting? Everybody's dead. dead. Who are you protecting? Yes. And the line, who are you protecting? I just thought was... Just like I, the reason I think it's my line of the year is that it's it distills perfectly everything that I loved about the Irishman, and I thought the kind of big theme of the Irishman, which was when do you let go? Mm. How do you time your exit? Because one of my other favourite lines from that movie was "It's my union," when Jimmy Hoffa yeah. keeps being keeps being warned by yeah. Frank Shin that this thing is about to go bad and Joe Pesci is sort of threatening him mm. and he just keeps on repeating it's my union and I thought that whole movie for me broke down into two things one was how do you sort of stage manage your own exit when is the right time to get out and also I just thought it was so interested in the mechanics of death yeah. you know especially that last hour because we've seen so many Scorsese movies where people just die constantly. Yeah. But this was about how you die. You know, you see Jimmy Hoffa's body burning up. And mm. then the scene just before the police interview, Robert De Niro, he's like talking about should you be cremated or buried. It's a movie for the last hour that really is about the process and the mechanics of death. Yeah. And I thought that line really summed up the essential futility of everything that he's been doing. He's fucked up his life. He alienated his daughters. Mm. And for what? You know, who are you protecting? That's why I thought it was my line of the year. Great answer. You love The Irishman. Love The Irishman. I think, yeah, I think you're, it, it's a film about Arsene Wenger. Should have, like, <laughs> should have left, should have left earlier. Should have left much earlier. Yeah. But it's my team. Yeah, you should have left 10 years ago. But, uh, but I love The Irishman. I love a film. I love a film about death and about, uh, reckoning with what you've done, what your life was. It's almost like the entire film. I love the last half an hour, and it's like, it's what was this all for? Yeah. What was this for? What have you done? And I, and the big sort of thing I'm passionate about in The Irishman is that there was this criticism that Anna Paquin only has one line. It's yeah. disgusting and it's not right. I think Anna Paquin is the whole point yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah. I think she is the the film yeah. the film is Anna Paquin because she is the one person who the reason she is silent yeah. is because she is the moral judge 
of the entire universe. Yeah. And she watches everything. And I think it's an amazing performance. Yeah. And it shouldn't be underrated by how many lines she had because she's in so many scenes and you are totally fucking aware the, of her. The scene of the bank when he goes to see her at the end. Yeah. You're fully watching. It's not like you go, oh, why are they wasting Anna yeah, Packman? Yeah. Like, Anna Packman's the film. And the one line she has, it's important yeah. that she has one line. And the one line is, why didn't you call her? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why? Yeah. She's fucking, it's brilliant the use of Anna Packman in that film. Also, could you explain to the listeners your double feature of this and Silence? You oh, think yeah, this yeah. Is Martin Scorsese's. I love Martin Scorsese. I'm getting older and what was it all for? Yeah, yeah. And and it is the last half hour is literally like, well, what was that about? Because you because I think you must have seen the Irishman before me, and you said this is this bloke is thinking about death. He's thinking like this about bloke death. is really thinking about yeah. his death. And what is it? And and there's and it's funny the Irishman. It's so much about sort of stupid men st- being stubborn. There's yeah. so many scenes of comedy scenes of double acts being yeah. very stubborn. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think he really. He gets it, and the it's almost this thing of there's something about the Irishman that it's like the last half hour. It's almost like the game is over, and mm. now they're in the real world. And when he has that scene with his other daughter, and she's like, "Dad, we were fucking terrified of yeah, you. You yeah. live this stupid like he's not of this world. He's been living in this stupid world that was all their own making. Yeah, that was all boys being idiots, and this isn't the world. The world's moved on and it's something much deeper and he can't even access it yeah it's fascinating the last hour is some of the most extraordinary stuff yeah all of those men have ever done yeah I think like Scorsese De Niro is extraordinary the last half an hour I'm sort of amazed he wasn't because it's small yeah it was because he's keeping it small to me it's like it's one of the easily one of the greatest performances of his career yeah you know what I mean it, it, I thought it was so, it was so good for him to remind everybody why we all love him so much yeah. because he's done so much like, sort of stuff where he doesn't it feels like he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But that the last hour of that he was I mean he was fucking extraordinary. Yeah. I love Pacino in it as well. I thought Pacino, oh, Pacino was great. Is great. And Joe Pesci is amazing. Yeah. In it. Joe Pesci's amazing in it. Yeah. Joe Pesci's the baddest motherfucker, and he's just this very quiet, sweet old man. And he's the one who's killing them. Like, he's the boss. I, I never thought somebody making a salad could be so threatening. <laughs> yeah. Him making the salad is one of the most imposing things I've ever seen in any film. Great. But lovely movie. What's lovely. your line of the year? Oh, my line of the year is from the film Wild Rose. Ah. Oh. Which I loved. Which I haven't seen, but and I, I know. I was dreading that seeing that as much as I was dreading seeing it for summer. <laughs> Because I thought Wild Rose looked really depressing. I thought, oh, it's a fucking British film. It's going to be really bleak. Yeah, yeah. And it almost is. Yeah. And then it's not. And there's this line. And to be fair, Mark Kermode has mentioned this. So I'm flagging up respects to him as yeah. well. I'm not the first person to have thought of this. But there is a line in it. Judy Waters is her mum. She's, a, you know, troubled. She's come back from prison. She's making, finally making an effort with yeah. her own kids that Julie Waters has been looking after the whole time. Yeah. Julie Waters, the grandma. And Julie Waters says to her, well, I guess things are changing around here now. They they said to me tonight, they prefer your mints. Mm. And Jesse Buckley says, I don't have a mince. My mince is your mince. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a great line. What a great line. What My a lovely line. My mince is your mince. Shit, they're bad. That's lovely. It's beautiful. And the other line, of course... 
it's for the last line of Hustlers, it's all a strip pub. Some are doing a dance and some are throwing the money. <laughs> Fuck. Great. That's a great last line. <laughs> uh, best opening sequence of the year. Uh, I'm going to say the opening of Us. I was really excited to see Us. What's the very beginning? The very beginning is the Hands Across America. Oh, love the very and beginning. Then, and the fairground. And then the fairground. Yeah, great, great. And also because I was so excited to see it mm. and just sort of really hoping for something really explosive at the beginning. Yeah. And then it starts quite quiet and it, it was really unsettling and the it just had a sudden... It wrong-footed me in a really interesting way and it's that mm. sort of slow build and then... The kind of that the beautiful sort of blue hue shots of her inside the actual thing, and then just as you think there's going to be a jump scare, it cuts to a fucking rabbit's eye close up. It was not what I was expecting from the mm. opening, but I absolutely loved it. It just set a great tone for the whole movie, yeah. which I really liked. And again, I feel slightly, it sort of slightly got forgotten, particularly when it came round to awards nomination time, because I thought it was a really brilliantly yeah. put together film and had I thought Lupita particularly was forgotten slightly. I thought it was a really brilliant performance. But she has won Oscar. She has won Oscar. So, come on, guys. Get in line. Yeah. Laura Dionne. Scarlett Johansson needed another nomination, <laughs> so don't worry. Um, my best opening, I think, is uh, High Life. Yeah. High Life? I mean, what a way to start. <laughs> Man on a spaceship, drops a screw, Yeah. comes into the spaceship, opens the door, pulls out, 12 dead bodies and slowly carries them to the door chucks them into space and then there is a shot of 12 floating corpses and it says high life (laughs) and I went this is going to be fucking brilliant film (laughs) yeah it's in yeah best closing sequence of the year Uh, I really loved I got two answers here and I couldn't separate them the final shot of Knives Out I thought was wonderful She's uh, drinking, on the balcony. She's drinking, drinking from the mug that yeah. says, "Is it? This is my house." Like yeah, lovely final shot. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. Also, knives out. Possibly the most purely enjoyable experience I had in the cinema all year. Loved it. Just had a great time. And the other one is Pain and Glory because oh, I, I Pain and Glory. yeah, and also I fucking love a move like yeah. an ending that sort of pulls the rug out from underneath. I mean, it's not really mm. a twist ending. It's just you know, you think that you've been watching his memories and then suddenly you realise, no, you're watching the film he's made about his memories and it's been cut throughout the entire movie and it's a just a really, really... It was a great movie. Love that Banderas film. is playing our mod of our, Like, it's yeah. everything about it's fucking great. And just at the end, that last rug pull when you, you realise they're, they're sleeping at the train station and then it just pulls out. Yeah. And that's... And he's been... You've been watching extracts from the film he's made about his upbringing. I thought it was just a beautiful touch at the end. I fucking love a film where an older person takes heroin for the first time. <laughs> Honestly, that is such my sweet spot. What I, weird I thing. love it. I love it when people who've not taken heroin who are above 50 decide to take heroin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll what other movies are there with that? Ricky Gervais does it in Afterlife. Right, yeah, he yeah, yeah. He taking heroin. I'm sure I've seen it somewhere else. It's I such know. an interesting motif. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, but Pain and Glory also. Great movie. Great movie. I think my favourite ending is Wild Rose. Is it really? I won't tell you. You should see it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful final scene. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Wonderful. A really, really good film, that. Uh, now, favourite set piece of the year? Uh, I'm going to say it's a t- straight toss-up. I have to mention Avengers Endgame. Okay. Because it was such a huge thing. The reason I the final battle I thought works really well mm-hmm. was because it's set up... It, it just is the mother of all callbacks. Yeah. It, it's, it has this like three huge things that happen that resolve, not resolve actually, because they're not really plot lines, but that bring together 10 years of Marvel movies. And the first one is the, obviously when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer, you know, yeah. and again, like people just fucking whooping and cheering when he actually says Avengers Assemble, cheesy as hell, because they never actually said that in a movie before. But the thing that I thought was... And actually, there's loads of moments, because he calls um, Spider-Man Queens at one point. He says, coming at you, Queens, which is a reference to the fact that, yeah. you know, Sp- he, he says in one of the other movies, he says, I'm from Brooklyn and I'm from Queens, and he, he calls him Queens. But the one that works best is On Your Left, which is when the Falcon pops out of the portal for the first time. Ah. And that's a reference to... that's back to Captain America Winter Soldier and the fact that it was able they were able to do all those callbacks within this sort of massive action scene it's what they do really well which is have these kind of moments of spectacle but the reason people get so invested is they have these little grounded character moments that build you build into the scene and the other one that I could not separate at the absolute opposite end of everything is Adam Driver singing Being Alive oh my god yes it, that is, and the reason I like it so much is it should be shit. shit. Yeah. It should be fucking shit, so but it's fucking answer. amazing. Yeah. If you told me that this movie, like the sort of, it isn't the end, but the emotional climax of this film is a guy getting up at a karaoke, essentially like a fancy karaoke bar where there's a piano guy playing. Because we've been, we've both been to those bars and they yeah. are awful. Yeah. And when people get up and start singing earnestly in real life, it's yeah. the worst thing in the world. But when he gets up and sings, and he sings Big Life, if you told me that that's how it ends, I'd go, fuck off. Yeah. And there is no way I'm seeing that movie. By the time it happens in the film, it is properly extraordinary. And it goes on for slightly too long and it makes it a bit awkward. And that just adds to it, I would say. I love it. What was your set piece of the year? Can I give you three? Yeah. One is also a karaoke scene. The karaoke scene in Booksmart. Yeah. Oh, yes. The drama kids singing You Ought to Know <laughs> is the funniest, best thing yeah. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I lo- it's so funny. It's brilliant. And then she sings. Oh, yeah. it's a great scene. And she's singing to the girl as well. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, a, that's a lovely moment. Second one. Yeah. And for the record... I have many issues with the film as a whole. Yeah. In fact, I have lots of issues. But individual as a set piece. In It, Chapter 2. Yeah. The set piece that, in fact, they used in the trailer. Yeah. Where she goes to visit the old lady in the yeah. house is a fucking great horror scene. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. The old woman making her tea. The old woman smiles. The old woman's face freezes for just three seconds. And you're like, is something going on? And then she starts talking again. And then she turns her back to the old woman. The old woman starts dancing yeah. creepily behind her. <laughs> suddenly takes off all her clothes, dances across the, <laughs> across the door. Oh, it's so scary. And then there's just a moment where you hear, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And then suddenly this giant scare. Oh, fuck, it's a great scene. Great. 
Absolutely really great. What's the third one? The third one is a really small bit yeah. from Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, yeah. And I filmed it. It's so short, but there's a scene that's right near the end. But I don't think there's many spoilers in this film. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about a man making stuff. And it's the premiere of his film, and he has his partner, who's this woman that he has helped. And it's not really a love story. They're just friends, but he, she's in his film. Yeah. And it's the premiere of his film. And she, they're, they're going, there's a crowd outside, they can't get in. And she, she goes, come on, uh, Rudy, yeah. the film's about to start, you're going to miss it. And he goes, nah, these people are going to be waiting outside the cinema, I, I should entertain them. You go, I've seen the film. Yeah. And he walks into the crowd and he says like, hey, I'm Dolomite. Yeah, and they, yeah. all, they all cheer. And there's a shot of the woman watching him and she makes this face, this smile, as she looks at him and the smile is like, this fucking guy. <laughs> and then she turns and walks into the cinema. And the look on her face, that is my favourite little moment of the film. It's such a good... I love her face in yeah. that moment. Ten Lovely. points for the face. Favourite film of the year? You go first. I, wa- I wonder if we've given the same answer. I don't know. Uh, high Life? I, I'm, I think I'm life? sticking with High Life yeah, just yeah. because of the experience, maybe. Yeah. But it's probably... And do you think it stayed with you? I'm scared to watch it again. Yeah. Because I might not like it, but it felt special. But maybe it's Beale Street could talk. Fuck. You did really love Beale Street. I really loved it. Yeah. The point is, it's not for summer. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the greatest. Yeah. What's your answer? So my answer, and the reason it's my answer, is because it's only featured in one of my other answers, yeah. but it could have been in Marist almost story. all of the marriage oh, Fuck, it could be it could, it, See, this is the thing. Oh, the pro- the issue that I have question. with it is that marriage story, it could have been... My, my, fa- my favourite line of the year could easily be... Just, when, just that little detail when she said, he's my... Um, whatever the opposite of a fiancé is. <laughs> I just love that line. I absolutely yeah. love... And again, this is because we make stuff and get asked stupid fucking questions about yeah. it. The scene where Ray Liotta says, well, uh, anything I, uh, have you directed anything I might have seen? And Adam Driver just goes, I don't know, what have you seen? <laughs> like the way that the venom in that line is fucking yeah. extraordinary. Um, Fuck, I love Mary so uh, The film that I've related to in the most uncomfortable way, yeah. it's Adam Driver's character. You and I went to see Marriage Story together. Mm-hmm. We walked out of it. The first thing I said to you was, we must never let I'll partner see, see this film. <laughs> because yeah. it's... I'm also amazed by people saying that they think it leans more towards him. I think it's an evisceration no. of a certain type of creative man yeah. who views himself as a sort of creative genius. And his whole life is wrapped in his own work and his ego. And and I know that I haven't learned any fucking lessons from it. And I know that you haven't learned any fucking lessons from it. Because we then had a conversation about the fact that his play was a flop, which kind of happens because of the divorce process. And you and I had a conversation where we both went, it's a real shame about the play. (laughs) 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 This inference that his divorce would have been slightly less traumatic if his work had been received well. Absolutely true. It's a movie about somebody, a man not understanding where to balance his work and his personal life. And the fact that you and I both came away with that as a takeaway shows that we've learned fucking nothing. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely extraordinary. It's so good. Here's the the thing I love about my story. I was writing about this and I thought it's 
the the film that it is similar to sort of sort of t- um structurally is Blue Valentine mm-hmm. which is about the beginning and the end of a relationship however unlike Blue Valentine what i really love about my story is it ends in a way in a very positive yeah uh loving way in which they'll be all right yeah and yeah. they and they do love each other and they do have respect and care for each other and they've been through this thing and the other thing we've talked about in my story is the amount of genres it switches yeah. within scenes. Yeah. And it's fucking funny. Yeah. And there's that it's whole scene. really funny. The scene where the they're serving papers. the papers, yeah. It's, it's like a farce, and then it's tragic, and ah, oh, it's brilliant. It, uh, and it's yeah. a horror film with the lawyers. It's like a Kafka horror film. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and then it's there's also just an Alan Alda film in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, and Alan Alda... Musical, there's two musical sequences. There's two proper musical sequences. Yeah. Laura Dern... Incredible, yeah. Ray Liotta again. What a delight yeah. to have Ray Liotta back. I think the the opening is incredible. You know, because especially because mm. it's, you, long, it's, like eight it's minutes. long. It's very. It's like the script is kind of structurally unusual, and I think that her, you know, her big and the big set pieces, which are very theatrical and stagey, which is her speech to Laura Dern and then their argument, uh, do things that I normally would hate in a film. They're very theatrical, lots of just locked off shots of people giving speeches, which I normally think is absolutely is kryptonite to a movie going experience. Yeah. Fucking work. They fucking work. Yeah. The performances are incredible. I thought I it was it was it was kind of snuck up on me as being yeah. my favourite movie. But when we when we were looking at all of these answers, I was like, fuck, I could answer marriage story to about five of these. Yeah. It's one of the scariest films of the year. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Fuck, maybe it's Mary's story. You have Mary's story. I'm going to... Oh, God, am I going to... Travelling boner. Scarlett Johansson dressed as David Bowie. What a boner. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And, like, and it's a single image as well, the two of them hugging the kid. Mm. It's a lovely image of the two of them sort of hugging each other via the child. Yeah. Uh, is just a lovely. Uh, the score was beautiful. I oh my god, I forgot the, the scene with the knife. The scene is with the knife, unbelievable. <laughs> That's the set piece of the year. Yeah, the scene with the oh, knife is extraordinary. Oh my god, amazing! And just like really quite broad comedic conceits, yeah. like you sort of go, "Oh, there's this observer that's coming," and a really broad comedic conceit would be, "What if the person who came was the least reassuring person? Yeah. Like, what if in that situation, it's almost like a sketch." Like mm. and yeah, I thought it was great. Oh shit! <laughs> All right, favorite films of the year: are Mary Story and If Bill's Trick or Talk and Highlight. Yeah, and for Summer. Great. And The Irishman. And <laughs> uh, so we've been pretty definitive there. Yeah. And Wild Rise, and Eight Great, and Little Women. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Uh, okay. Sex scene of the year? The souvenir? Oh, we haven't talked about the souvenir. I, I really saw it the other day. The souvenir. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I thought the sex scene, I did not find it sexy, but I found it, it sort of, it really... Which one? There's a couple. The one where she's like wearing the underwear. Yeah, okay. I thought it, it was really dark and kind of grimy and really summed up the fucked up nature of that relationship. Yeah. Um, And also brilliant scene in the middle. One of my favourite lines of the year is Rich and Iwadi saying, I'm sort of struggling to see how you two tessellate. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's a really brilliant scene. I really enjoyed the souvenir. I thought it was a. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Because it, mm. it, it's very chilly and it's, you know, it's it's kind of unashamedly about posh people being posh. Mm. But I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought the sort of depiction of addiction in it was, you know, it's obviously extremely personal to her. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it seems obviously taken from her life yeah i don't know whether that's true i, I don't know it, what no, it, it is, is it, but it feels it seems extremely autobiographical and i i really it, i walked out of there really thought having think having thought i really enjoyed that and then was surprised by the extent to which it like it had stayed with me mm. and images from it had stayed with me and yeah you know i love the fact that i, I just i also really love the way that she will just put the camera in the corner of a room and kind of just have the action and so people come in and out and mm. I, I thought it was really brilliantly made film. And that the sort of ending, the echo of the painting is a beautiful, really brilliant and I can't wait for the sequel. I'm really excited to see what that movie's yeah. like. So what are your top ten films of twenty nineteen? Bearing in mind that of course this is a near impossible ask. Yeah. It is a near impossible task. So my my top ten, mm-hmm. in no particular order, yeah. are If Beale Street Could Talk, mm-hmm. Booksmart, mm-hmm. Pain and Glory, Fuck, <laughs> yeah, Midsummer, The Farewell, Eighth Grade, The Irishman, Knives Out, The Souvenir, and in the interest of just, yeah, I'll name a number one and say it's Marriage Story. Okay, that sounded like you did eleven. Did I do eleven? Cheeky. I can't ask. Hang on. Cheeky boy. Okay, wait. I'll do my top ten. This is definitely ten. Okay. Beale Street. Yeah. Booksmart. Yeah. Pain and Glory. Mm-hmm. Midsummer. The Farewell. Eighth Grade. The Irishman. Knives Out. Souvenir. Marriage Story. Very good. Bosh. Here's my ten. The Irishman. Long Shot. The Farewell. Eighth Grade. Little Women. Wild Rose. If Beale Street could talk. Marriage Stormy. Stormy, Married Story. Perfect. Great alternate title. <laughs> For Summer, High Life. Lovely. Two little shout-outs for films that we have not discussed. 
One. Vox Lux. Interesting. (laughs) That's it. It's actually... You're the second person who's seen that movie that I know, and that is exactly what they said as well. That is all there is to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And the the one I would like to give a shout out, it's not in my top 10, but it would be in my top 20, is uh, Doctor Sleep. Which I also didn't see. I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan, the director. Yeah. And it is a sequel to The Shining, very bold. Yeah. I think it's one of the best Stephen King adaptations. Ooh, that's a big call. If you've read a Stephen King book, and you know what they're like, and he's very good at characters and sort of playing long game with characters and just creating this world that's uh, real and slightly fairy tale Yeah. And lovely, and Doctor Sleep is a really good yeah. Stephen King book film. Okay. Uh, not perfect, sure, but a great time. And Mike Flanagan is a fucking brilliant director, and he's so good. And the thing he does as a horror director that is unusual, generally, he made Haunting of Hill House, which I loved. Yeah. He does horror films that are really scary, but they're always very emotional and about people you fall in love with, and tend to have vaguely optimistic endings, which is unusual in horror. Horror usually ends yeah, in yeah. a nihilist way. But he seems to like sort of resolving things emotionally. Recommend it. I'm sold. Yeah. My two mild shout outs would be um, Ash is the Purest White, which is a Chinese film that has like some thematic overlap, I would say, with The Irishman. Okay. I'd certainly say if you watch the, if you enjoyed The Irishman, you get something out of watching Ashes. What's the, the point of life? It's one of them. What's the point? Yeah, of life yeah. Of well, it's why did why did you hang around? <laughs> why didn't you let this go? It's a it's a kind of crime movie as well. Great. And uh, the other one is The Kindergarten Teacher. Oh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Fuck yeah! It was a great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Subtle as fuck. Yeah, and like she was fucking brilliant in it. And yeah. again. Really, really interesting remake choice, mm-hmm. and I thought everything. I thought it was a really, really good movie, and good a really movie. slightly difficult. Yeah, really thorny, yeah. really complicated, really important that it's a female character. Fuck yeah. That her character is a fit, you know, because it's sort of about. It is about an inappropriate relationship between a teacher and a student, but mm. there's something more morally complex going on because it's her. I think. I mean, I think she's always incredible, but I think this is particularly choice work from her. Yeah, it's fucking great. Really good. Hard agree. Well done. Um, you've done very well on that. Now let's <laughs> let's get to what we didn't do. Yeah. I mean, this is a sloppy old podcast, but you know what? <laughs> if you've come this far, <laughs> stick around. So that was the year. What about the decade? Yeah, this is the mop-up from our... So we did this live at the BFI, you can check it out. We didn't finish it. Because we're having... We're having too good a time. Too good a time. Now, where did we get... We didn't do... Yeah. Best opening. Yeah. You go first. Social network. Great. 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 Snappy dialogue. Aaron Sorkin dialogue. David Fincher shoots it unbelievably. It's edited incredibly. You know what I found out from an editor I'm working with that I did not know, maybe you know this. No. Is that a lot of that stuff in the social network is split screen. Is that actually he films he films them separate. So the reason that their pace is so fucking good yeah. is because it's like actually split screen that has been melded together so that he can time 
their performances really? as he wants. That's why it's so meticulous. But what do you mean it's shot on two cameras? Yeah, so, right, so okay. he's shot and, and she's shot. Yeah. And he can retime their performances by moving wow. the images together, but it looks like a two shot. It's, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's fucking incredible. Born a Biscuit by the White Stripes, so which is a great song, but immediately situates you in the early 2000s. Yeah. Really, really perfect song, Joyce. And again, a film that I went into with not particularly... I didn't understand why David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin were making a yeah. film about Facebook. And uh, I was immediately sold on it. The dialogue is incredible. The pace of it is incredible. And given that it's just two people talking, it still feels incredibly cinematic. Can I ask you a question? Uh, because, you know, this is coming from someone who didn't understand Glass. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how to put this. I really like The Social Network. I think The yeah. Social Network is very good. In fact, I went to see it twice. But one of the reasons I went to see it a second time is because people talk about The Social Network like it's one of the greatest films ever. Right, yeah. Now, as much as I enjoy The Social Network and think it's interesting and a good sort of history lesson and yeah. says something about Facebook, I don't think I fully understand why it's in the category of, like, important, <laughs> profound, amazing films. Please explain what I might have missed. I wonder with it. So I think part of it is that it's eminently rewatchable. Yeah. I so I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. I would say I've come to appreciate it more because of how easily it, I find it to rewatch. And but I do think part of the reason that the film's reputation mm-hmm. has really survived because it came out in 2010, I think. Wow. And part of the reason why I think its reputation has survived is because of world news events and i think the role that facebook sort of went on to play and i think maybe people go looking for answers Hmm. for what's at the root of this you know facebook has been at the center of so many conversations we have about the corruption of our democracy and the hollowing out of political discourse and spreading fake news and uh, you know becoming a petri dish for the hard right and I think maybe we go to the social network looking for answers. And the thing is, it's a fictionalisation, with the exception of the blog posts, which is always the most extraordinary thing about that movie, is that the blog posts, the names are changed, but the content is taken from Mark Zuckerberg's blog. Wow. That, which is, you know, that's quite extraordinary. But I wonder if we go looking for answers in that mm. movie to try and explain some of what's happened in the last 10 years right. and some of the kind of rise of fake news because there is a one of the interesting things about the movie is it constantly portrays these guys as being completely amoral and Mark Zuckerberg has no real concept of the ethical impact of the things that he does mm-hmm. and so I wonder if we go we sort of go looking for an explanation and that's why its reputation has endured that's pure conjecture from me well I'm sold what's your best opening uh, Pete's Dragon Another movie that I constantly go to to work out why everything has gone so bad in the world. <laughs> Pete's Dragon. I've never seen Pete's Dragon. David Lowry. Yeah. Who made a ghost story. Yeah, yeah. And Ain't Nobody's Saints. Yeah. An art man brought in by Disney to remake Pete's Dragon, one of my favourite films. Yeah, so yeah. So I was like, oh, this is risky. Yeah. The beginning. But I didn't talk. I hope I did. We didn't do this. No, no. We? Okay. The beginning of Pete's Dragon is amazing. There's a kid in the back of the car. Let's call him Pete, with his parents, driving somewhere. The parents go, oh, 
something about an adventure. They go on holiday or something, and he says, I think the kid says, I'm, uh, will it be all right? And he says, you just, the mum says, you have to be brave. You'll, we'll, you'll be brave and you'll be fine. And a deer runs out in front of the car. It's a Disney film. Yeah. And so obviously the parents die. The car <laughs> crashes and you the camera stays on the kid. Oh, So the car, the car sort of flips. And the kid is, is, you know, his parents are killed in this car crash. This is the first minute of the film. And he crawls out of the car and he's scared and sad and awful. And, he, and he's in the woods and they're in the middle of nowhere. And you hear wolves. There are wolves. Fucking hell. And you're like, bloody hell. And then there's this sound of this boom, 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 boom coming towards him. And, he, and the wolves run away scared. And he looks up and there's this fucking dragon there. <laughs> And the dragon, who was modelled on his pet dog, the dragon is like a dog, yeah. a giant dog. He goes to scared, and the dragon sees this lost, sad boy, yeah, yeah. and the dragon opens its wings and puts its wings around right, the boy okay. and like pulls him in. And that is the beginning of the film. And you go, wow. bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> That's how you He's, start a movie. Dragon is not the movie I thought it was. No. <laughs> it's quite something. Wow. It's very moving and, and so beautifully done. And the fact that it's such a shocking beginning, but it's done in a clever sort of, you don't see anything, but yeah. it's all happened. And God, it's a good opening. Yeah. And that d- dragon based on a dog. If yeah. you love a dog, fuck me, you'll love Pete's dragon. <laughs> it behaves just like a dog, but a big dog with wigs. <laughs> it's great. It is a good one. Yeah. Best closing. You what? What's yours? First Reformed. Oh, still not seen it. What? Is it really the best ending of the decade? I'm not going to tell you it. Okay. It's a fucking great ending. Yeah. And it's right. I'll tell you what I'd compare it to. Not, this is is no spoiler, but in terms of, I guess, pace and that feeling is Kill List. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That that you've watched this film that's quite slow and takes its time. And then the final sequence is so intense. Like Taxi Driver. Mm, more like what's the other one I could compare it to where it's just oh like 45 years right, I'd also okay, it, yeah, where yeah. it's been building to this yeah. point of such for, for a film that has seemed sort of slow and small yeah. so intense the last five minutes of it and you're just like fucking hell yeah. and uh, oh and, the, and also what it means everything yeah I'm not going to tell you more you just see that film at yeah. last um, mine is Florida Project. Correct. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just it breaks your heart and then takes you to a place of joy that you didn't realise was possible given what has just happened two minutes ago. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. The circumstances of the way you made it, it's all, it's it's amazing. What's your interpretation of the ending? Is it real? I thought it was real, but I think I have to believe it's real yeah. because otherwise it's too horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're totally right. Yeah. You could watch that movie and believe that the last two minutes are a complete fantasy. Yeah. It's extraordinary. God, I love that film. Best sequel of the decade. So there's three answers here. Mm-hmm. The first... So Blade Runner 2049. Oh, great incredible. answer. I thought it was incredible. Yeah. And, and I'm sure this is going to be absolute heresy, I thought it was an example of a sequel that was better than the first film. I really lo- I love Blade Runner. I thought Blade Runner 2049, I actually thought it was a better film. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It's a, bit, it's a spicy one. <laughs> well, 
it certainly improves in my eyes by not having a scene in which a woman yep. is sexually assaulted yep. and we call it a, a, yeah. a romantic scene. Yeah. But also a movie that I thought that I didn't want to, I thought I didn't need. I thought, yeah, yeah. what's the point in doing it? thought it was extraordinary. I think the performances are great. Von Harrison Ford's best performances, I think, is yeah. wonderful in it. Um, you know, you've, you've never witnessed a miracle. Like, that line is fucking astonishing. And I thought it was great. And then another one, and it, I feel a bit like... And it's got Amadeir, Amadeir my favourite. Amadeir Amas. Great lady. Yeah. She's brilliant. Yeah. And then the second one is the most perfect cinematic trilogy of all time, Before Midnight. When you think... Mm. Every time they make a new one, there's got to be a part of them thinking... God, we don't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, it's you know, we're getting into sort of thirty years of yeah. these two characters. It's That's an extraordinary movie. It's it, I, the Criterion Collection has just come out of that, and it's so worth it. It's so worth revisiting. I think all of them are perfect. I, I but the, and the third one is absolutely extraordinary. But the problem with giving both of those answers is it's all well and good saying those things. The best sequel of the last ten years was Toy Story three. <sighs> I knew you were going to say that. But I'm going to say Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, oh yes! Pow, pow, pow. Oh, fuck. Of course it's Mad Max it Fury Road. It is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> a, a film better than the the original as well. Yeah. I think I, I consider that to be a reboot. But it's hard to tell whether it's a reboot or a single, whatever the fuck it is. But, but it's brilliant. It's amazing. It's an amazing Sorry, nightmare of son. a film. Yeah, you've done me. He's absolutely done me. <laughs> uh, best set piece of the decade. What are you going with? Well, I keep coming back to this one. I think I might have said it in the films of the year, but I watch it a lot. I yeah. think it's so great. Is the film, the massively underrated film, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, oh yeah. The set piece in the middle of that film where Cynthia Evro... Erivo. Erivo yeah. is singing... Yeah. Uh, through a two-way mirror, one-way mirror, whatever. She's got a voice of an angel. She's singing. You're not quite sure why we're watching her sing for so long, but it's beautiful. And then the camera pans around. There is someone watching her through the mirror, and she starts clapping. And every time she's clapping, it is because Jeff Bridges is hiding behind her bed with a hammer, trying to dig up the floorboards without anyone noticing it. So every time she claps, his hammer hits the wood. And it's this inc- uh, such a brilliant sequence that is set, paying off everything that's been set up. Yeah. It's very exciting. The, her voice is magnificent. It's edited perfectly. It's brilliant. I, I thought you were going to say the opening of that movie, which is also pretty amazing. Pretty good opening. But, um, a lot of good stuff in that film. Yeah, it is a, you're right. It is a really good movie. Yeah. Mine is, quite simply, Brett, Melissa McCarthy shitting in a sink. Fair play. It's the the bridesmaid's diary scene. You want to sort of yeah. be big and clever about these things, yeah. but sometimes that that the chaos of that scene, yeah. all of the lines in it. When she says, "I'm so sorry," I didn't. I don't really know which end that came out of. <laughs> and when she screams, "It's coming out of me like lava." Yeah, I just think, and you know the fact, and it ends with, <laughs> it ends with my Rudolph just shitting in the street. I just think it's like it's I just think it's perfect I just think it's a perfect comedic set piece the setup happens they've eaten something dodgy they've gone to this high end thing it 
and then it just it's just carnage and everybody's performance is fucking amazing in it and they all get to do disgusting things uh best line of the decade difficult um, obviously i mean my like the my favorite the funniest line for me in any movie is when ladybird is talking to timothy chalamet when he sat on the hood of the car <laughs> and she says you better, otherwise I'm gonna. But you better, or I'll kill your whole fucking family. And then realizes that she's gone way too far. And you see, and all of that happens in one shot. That's. But my favorite line, and the line that when I saw it in the cinema, truly nearly made me want to stand up and applaud it for the fucking audacity. Yeah. Is, kiss me, my girl, before I'm sick, from Phantom, Phantom Thread. Thread. The whole film is perfect Mm -hmm. and just at the end where you think there's no way in hell that he is going to leave this movie on this note there is no way that he's going to tell the audience these two people are going to be locked in a pattern where he willfully allows her to poison him (laughs) so that she can nurse him back to health there is no way just when you think that isn't going to happen it happens and it is it i felt elated yeah by the fucking brass neck of the filmmaking and the the storytelling choices the execution of it i just thought i it was i i know for some people it was the point where they were like fuck this movie but it was the point for me that i was just like this is this now is all-time masterpiece yeah possibly day lewis's greatest movie yeah possibly pta's greatest movie absolutely extraordinary best uh, film about codependence ever seen yeah Incredible. Uh, my line is also from that, and it is uh, when Leslie Manville is drinking. She has a teacup in her hand, and he says something rude to her, and she says, "Don't pick a fight with me. You won't come out alive. I'll go right through you and end up on the floor." And sips her. <laughs> also, sips her tea. for She's one so of good. his movies, yeah, it's for one of his movies. It's not a particularly verbal film. Like it's not a particularly dialogue-heavy script, especially if you compare it to something like. I mean, there's almost like two types of movie that he makes because I think of things like Magnolia and Phantom Thread as being yeah. very dialogue-driven movies. Funniest film of the decade. Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Is it? I, it, I think there's probably... I think if you said what's the best comedy movie, I'd probably go with something like Bridesmaids. But just in terms of the film that made me laugh the most, mm-hmm. it, I, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Every time I listen to the soundtrack, it makes me laugh. I think it's... You know, I think it's a sort of, it's 21st century Spinal Tap. Mm. And like Spinal Tap, I think it'll take a bit of time to catch on. Because it didn't do very well when it came out of the cinema. But I, it's slowly building a reputation. And I think it's destined to be a cult classic, I think. I'm going with The Muppets. Jason Segel and The Muppets. Oh, lovely. Not only do I love that film and think it's a perfect Muppets film, it's fucking funny. It's really funny. It's got some great jokes in it. Yeah. One of my favourite jokes is they're in the car and they drive past a sign that like tells them something and he goes, wait, I have an idea. And then it cuts to them eating hot dogs. And he goes, I'm glad I saw that hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, 90s robot going... Great. Anyway. I Michael Bolton singing the line "My brain is a genius" in pop star never stopping is one of the things is one of the things that has reduced me to tears in the uh, cinema. 
There's the other line from Cold War. Last yeah. line in Cold War. Let's go to the other side. The view is better there. Yeah. <sighs> Come off it. Lovely last line. Lovely last Fucking line. Fucking love that film. But I, so with the Phantom Thread thing, I think there's two types of PTA movie. Yeah. There's like either the extremely verbal or the borderline silent. So there's things like Magnolia and Boogie Nights and Inherent Vice where it feels like everybody is constantly talking. Yeah. And then there's the There Will Be Blood, The Master and Phantom Thread that are the more sort of taciturn films that kind of focus on, you know, the stunning the visuals. And, yeah, the breakfast menu. Like... Rabbit. Rab- Welsh rabbit. <laughs> Sausages. Sausages. <laughs> so, it's so unsettling. Another sausage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's but for a movie that is relatively dialogue free, some of the lines in it are fucking amazing. And Leslie Manville saying, I'll go right through you, is just brilliant. Nish Kumar, you've been a wonderful guest. I might have you on again one day. Uh, <laughs> me, uh, I think we should give the listeners to, to this uh, podcast a, a well-earned break from me. Uh, now, when you uh, were sat on the toilet and you had a heart attack, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had a heart attack um, eating a dirty burger. Yeah. Um, watching the Ranga Nathan on yeah. your laptop on your lap. And you, your heart exploded. Yeah. But you also voluntarily died because you'd experienced eating and shitting at the same time. It didn't feel right. <laughs> and uh, I came and fucking, I was like, oh, bloody hell, I've got to clean up this mess. Yeah. I hadn't seen you in a, about a year because we hadn't done our films. Yeah. We'd just done our films in a year. We'd taken a year <laughs> off. I brought the coffin the right size of you, but you fucking packed it yeah, on that year. I've been eating a thing. Stuffed you in this coffin, <laughs> did the best I could. Pushed you all in. There's only room for one DVD. Fuse tape to the other side. Two DVDs. One for the decade, one for the year. Oh! You can take to the other oh, side. Oh, God. I thought you were just going to give it... I thought you were just going to leave it with the year. Oh, yeah. Go on. Fuck. That's... What are you taking? Oh, God. And then we've also got one more thing we have to do. Fuck. I think I'm taking... Yeah. From the year... Yeah. I think I'm taking Marriage Story. Okay. And I think from the decade, yeah. I think I'm taking Get Out. Lovely. Well done. Fuck. Top 10 films of the decade. Will you let me do my top 25? Or are you going to make me do oh, 10? That's not fair. It's not fair. Because I've got a top Because you, Have you done, you've but done I'd, a 10? But I've knocked it down to 10 and it's been really you, hard. You know what? I've put you through this nightmare. <laughs> I, I should be forced to go through it yeah. myself. Okay, my top ten of the decade. In order, please. I've done it in order. Okay. My top ten of the decade. Mm-hmm. Marriage Story. Yeah. Arrival. Bridesmaids. Mm. Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Phantom Thread. Shit. Shoplifters. Oh, fuck. Roma. <laughs> Inside Lewin Davis. Jesus Christ. Lady Bird. Oh, I've got this all wrong. <laughs> get out. That's you my get ten. Out. I've got it all wrong. That, okay, that's my turn. Let me say this: my top ten is very different from your top ten. Just so we've got, it's given us a chance to have another. Yeah. <laughs> because your top ten is actually, you know, excellent. Hit me with your top ten of the decade. Mm, in order: Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, very nice. And I don't think I'm surprised of the two of us. You were the one that had the Marvel movie in there. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, get on board with you. I was trying to like, make a little bit of shit in comedy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want the people to finally think this has got something in common. Uh, Inside Out, greatest film. Yeah. Okay, not my favourite. Force Majeure. Oh yeah, Thank we've you. almost not talked about that at all. That's a great show. Yeah, Young Adult. We said. Written oh it. God, I've made a mess of this. We said written it. Fuck. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Uh, Ex Machina. Oh, very nice. Come on. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Fuck young adult. Uh, Cold War. Yeah. Victoria. Oh, yes. The Muppets. The Florida Project. That's a great list. That's an absolutely great list. Fuck young adult's the one that's going to... That's the one that's going to really yeah, haunt me. Yeah, kick yourself. <laughs> Fuck. Try sleeping tonight. <laughs> Because young adult, I didn't even put that. I have an extended list. It wasn't even in your top twenty-five. It wasn't even in my top twenty-five. I've really fucked up here. Right, Nish Kumar, you've been a wonderful guest. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to tell people? (laughs) You'd like to apologise for? Um, I am. uh, The Mash Report is back on TV. Yes. uh, And on in. When? At the, at the beginning of April. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so we're back at the beginning of April. Oh, I finally understand what's going on yeah. in the news again. <laughs> and we're coming back largely so that Brett can finally find out what's been happening in the news. <laughs> because he has no other source of news. Other than I don't me. know where else you can get it. <laughs> uh, that's very exciting. Well done. Thanks, well, Brett. Thanks for coming, and um, I hope I see you around. <laughs> okay, good night. So that was episode 86. We finally got through it. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. If you look there, people have been doing it and I'm telling you, you will love it. Plus it helps numbers, means more people see it, I can keep making it more, I can keep drinking craft beer, we can all be happy forever and ever until we all die of coronavirus. Thank you so much to Nish for doing the show and for being so great. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics, Lisa Lydon for the artwork. Come and join me next week when my special guest will be the wonderful, the brilliant, the amazing comedian, Sophie Duca. That's it for now. Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.